There have been a lot of dreams around creating a network of local news sites. There was the newspaper industry's News Century Network in the 1990s, then Zip2, Microsoft Sidewalk, Ticketmaster City Search, Knight Raiders Real Cities, but only one of those early ventures has survived. Today, we talk with the president of Patch, still profitable, still growing, and with a new growth-minded CEO in place, seems more intriguing than ever. Welcome to the Local Marketing Trends Podcast, bringing you unique insights on the ever-changing world of local marketing from two of the industry's brightest analysts and forecasters, Corey Elliott and Gordon Burrell. Today's podcast is sponsored by Guarantee Digital, providing a full suite of white-label digital agency services and strategic guidance, and by Ground Truth. The nation's leading location-based marketing and advertising technology company helping brands build and activate marketing strategies based on real-world behaviors. And now, here are your hosts, Corey and Gordon. Hello, everybody. This is Corey Elliott, and I'm glad to be back here on the podcast with my good friend, Mr. Gordon Burrell. Yeah. Welcome back. You were uh, on a bit of a a, a hiatus up in the mountains. Yes. A little bit of a hiatus. Um, I had to get away from all you people. Did you um, you sit on top of a mountain and come to some great revelation? Yes, I did. And it's all going to come out in our next update. There you go. You have just reforecast our 2021. Oh, God, there's some crazy changes in there. And 2022 uh, numbers. That'll be coming out in the latter part of uh, September. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, if the creek don't rise, which it probably will with climate change. Anyway. <laughs> what are we talking so are about we... this episode, Corey? Oh, man. Speaking of creeks rising or not rising, we're talking about desert. I, I think a good place to start is um, local journalism and local yeah. local news and local news deserts and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. You know, the dream of digital never really filled the gap of the loss in revenue for a lot of these companies, particularly newspapers. And as you mentioned in the intro, there were just so many of these that had popped yeah. up uh, in the early years on this on this great dream of maybe even networking local or making hyper local. There was one company, Fisher Broadcasting, based up in Seattle, had these network of hyper local sites, and they all just kind of collapsed except for for one. Yeah, and it's an amazing thing that's happening because it's it's happening across the nation. It's it's affecting not just newspapers, but TV, radio stations. All of this local journalism has has dried up. Yeah, but there's a, a several different initiatives which are interesting. And it was funny because we might have mentioned this in the previous podcast. You know, I always chuckle at the end of the year when people start issuing their forecasts for the next year or their predictions for yeah. 2022. Right, get, get ready for those in late November. And I, I just stopped doing that a long time ago, but I did, I, I tend to do a few of them and send them myself an email and check them through the year. And several years ago, there was one that says local newspapers will turn to philanthropy for ownership. Right. And that certainly began occurring uh, very quickly. I just saw where the Ford Foundation donated a million dollars to the Louisiana Journalism Fund. There's the Lenfest Institute. Frank Mungim at the uh, local media association put out this great uh, uh, report called Pathways to Philanthropy on all the different ways newspapers are collecting money. And then there's this act before Congress, Corey. Yeah, the Local Journalism Sustainability Act. We actually asked our SMB panel about that. For those of you who don't know, it's an act that's in front of Congress right now where businesses can claim up to about $15,000 in advertising credits over five years to spend with stations, radio stations, TV stations, newspapers. So we asked local businesses, how likely would you be to take advantage of this credit? 
All of them said yes, they're going to do it. All of them, right? 65% said they were like, that's still a pretty good percentage. But there's a lot of smart alecky comments in it too. You know, that 15,000 stretched over five years ain't going to get me much in these traditional media companies was kind of the sentiment. Yeah, but the fifteen thousand is still fifteen thousand. Yeah, exactly. But the the point is that yeah, it's sort of businesses will take advantage of it if there's there's money to be saved and if they believe that the advertising that they're buying works, right? But the whole idea is, boy, look at all the different ways that, uh, that the local media is migrating from advertising to find different models to support their their newsrooms, and then. We have patch. Yeah, and we we have patch, and that's really kind of exciting and really kind of different. And I want to get to that interview as soon as we can. So let's do that. We'll go to commercial first because it's a pretty good and a, and a bit of a longer uh, interview. Uh, listen closely to some of the things. You'll hear that Patch is growing. They're adding journalists yeah. uh, this year. Not a whole lot. They have a new CEO. This guy is a pretty big deal. Does turn companies around the size of Patch and significantly increase in, increases their revenue. So uh, let's get to that interview right after this. Since 2012, Guarantee Digital has provided white label product fulfillment and sales support for media partners and digital agencies in hundreds of markets. Some clients resell Guarantee Digital's full suite of agency products and enjoy white glove fulfillment by Guarantee's Midwest-based team. Some simply hire Guarantee to be their on-demand sales specialist, booking Guarantee on calls to help them close more deals. How can we help your agency grow? Learn more at GuaranteeDigital.com. That's G-U-A-R-A-N-T-E-E Digital.com. Ground Truth's advertising solutions reach consumers during relevant moments throughout their day to generate meaningful business engagement for marketers. Ground Truth can help you deliver solutions to support your goals, whether it's boosting awareness, driving store and website visits, or increasing sales. Find ways to extend your reach and amplify your message across CTV, mobile, and desktop. Find and engage consumers based on where they've been or where they are in real time. Ground Truth makes the process of growing your business seamless. Learn more at www.groundtruth.com. Not long ago, Patch was the boogeyman of the newspaper industry. Bloggers feverishly wrote about newspaper reporters jumping shift left and right to join Patch and compete with the very papers that once employed them. Looking back to its early beginnings, Patch actually represented one of several attempts by big tech companies to conquer the uh, local news space. They started cropping up late 1990s, just as the newspaper industry fatted out at about $56 billion in ad revenue. And along came the disruptors, Microsoft Sidewalk, later becoming City Search, and then in the mid-2000s, Yahoo Local, remember that? And then AOL's Patch. Newspaper companies responded by forming an online news consortium called the New Century Network. Actually, I believe that was in the in the late 90s, early 2000s. Knight Ritter newspapers launched their own nationwide network called Real Cities. Remember that one? But none was ever able to capture even one-tenth of 1% of that $56 billion that the industry had swollen to, the newspaper industry and ad revenue. And after all those attempts over a quarter century, only one patch survived. And you know what? It almost didn't. Like the rest, it was hemorrhaging money until 2014 when AOL sold it to a venture capital firm called Hale Global that specializes in uh, turning around troubled companies. And the new owners focused on profitability 
and Patch started shedding journalists. And everybody thought, well, that's the end of Patch. But Patch is a survivor. It's profitable. It continues to evolve. It's been hiring journalists 30 this year. How does Patch do it? What type of growth is ahead as their new CEO with a history of increasing revenues nearly tenfold for companies the size of Patch? Well, our guest today is Warren St. John. He's a former New York Times reporter who was named editor-in-chief at a hyper-local news operation called Patch seven years ago. And he spent three years as its CEO. He's now the president and director. Warren, welcome to the show. Gordon, thanks for having me. Let's get started. Let's... Uh... Get the audience up to date first. Tell us where Patch is today. How many localities, how many employees, monthly page views, revenue growth, profitability, et cetera. And can you compare that with, say, pre-pandemic 2019? Uh, this will be our sixth profitable year in a row and double-digit revenue growth every one of those years. We now have, I believe we're close to 215 full-time employees now. When we spun out of AOL seven years ago, I think we had 90 90-something, or maybe 100, somewhere in there. We've grown our newsroom to approximately close to 130 full-time editorial employees, so invested very heavily in news consistently. I think we'll hire something like 30 full-time reporters this year. Audience growth, in general, we're doing somewhere around 25 million users a month. In the last year, we added close to a million email subscribers, almost all organically in part because of uh, pandemic coverage and protest coverage last summer. Fortunately for us, a lot of those users are sticking around. And we covered roughly 1,100 or so uh, communities around the country. A lot of that's sort of the map we inherited from AOL and the spin-out. But we've added new territories as well, and we're doing that at a, at a faster clip now and going forward. Fantastic. So you're still growing. So you came on board in, I think, 2014 as editor-in-chief. You were CEO for a few years. And then your official title today is president and director. So what, what's your role at the company? I manage a lot of our big enterprise partnerships. So it's this sort of hybrid sales role, but some of those partnerships are not strictly sales. My task basically is to be the person looking outside of our business, you know, over the next hill and contribute to the conversation of where we go what we do next. I want to get to some of that perspective in a moment, but let's stick with uh, Patch today and, and, and maybe get down to the ground level. How are these individual sites manage? Who generates the news? Who sells the ads? You know, we create our own content and we're somewhat outliers in that regard. And we've invested heavily in that operation. And, and that's basically because we found that the more local we get, the better our business becomes. So we have... 10 editorial teams, each has a manager, they're in market. So our reporters are, you know, in the areas that they cover. So we're adding reporters all the time and then trying to help them be more efficient in their daily efforts. So we try to take a lot of off their plates so they're not wasting time doing commoditized work like weather um, and the sorts of things that we can get from data sources. And we're using professional journalists to do the sorts of things that professional journalists love to do and are needed to do, which is shedding light on what's really happening in the communities that we cover. So you're pursuing quality content, top rated, you know, localized, unique content, as you mentioned. How does that play with, with advertisers? Is this is an audience play for a solid local audience? What happens at the advertising level? It's a mix, I'm sure, of national, uh, but what about local and local direct sales? We have big national partners. We have local partners. 
We have a self-serve platform for local businesses. We have programmatic, which I kind of think of as in the middle, sort of been going down as a percentage of overall revenue over the last couple of years. So the national advertisers are typically, they're doing a couple of things. First of all, national advertisers understand that local news is, it's the most trusted channel of news in the U.S. And people care about it and value it, and they want to understand what's happening around them. It's pretty difficult these days to go to local news sites as a brand and have confidence that your brand is going to be able to cut through the clutter because so many local properties have doubled down on really aggressive programmatic strategies, video sliders and pop-ups and high-impact aggressive things that aren't all that user-friendly and generally not the sorts of places where you know brands want to try to compete for attention. So we've kind of gone the other way. In February of 2020, we took uh, Taboola off of Patch, for example, didn't replace it with another content recommendation widget. We've created our own native units on Patch that can't be bought programmatically. We've just tried really hard to clean up the experience to make it work for users, to keep the site fast and clean so that enterprise partners, national partners can be seen. And then on the other hand, you know, that's what local businesses want as well. If they're on their patch, they don't want to feel that they're competing with a bunch of, you know, video pop-ups that are going to autoplay and chase users around. They want to know that they can, they'll be seen consistently and prominently in front of a local audience. So, so you've, you've talked about the local audience and the, uh, the people want trusted news. Tell me the demos of the audience. Is it skewing really high on age as it would be for, say, local newsreaders and print newspapers, or is it different? And other characteristics that might be valuable to both national and local advertisers. Sure. Well, one thing is about two-thirds of our users are women. The, the age spread is, is pretty broad, actually. My explanation here is that you don't care too much about local news until you commit to a place. The audience is a bit older. You know, I wouldn't pitch patch to a, a brand that was trying to necessarily, you know, convert Gen Z kids to, to you know, their, to, to be their fans. But at the same time, if you look at the demographic spread, it's pretty broad. There are definitely people in their 20s on Pats. There are lots of people in their 30s and 40s. And then, you know, we do have older retirees who are pay attention, a lot of attention to local news and are very involved in their communities mm-hmm. and have lots of opinions. Um, but it's a pretty wide spread. Good. So what percent of total revenue would be national versus local direct, a purely locally based advertiser? I believe it would be about 25% is national, 25% is local, programmatic is going to be there in the middle, and then we have other revenue streams that, you know, be hard to characterize as, as, as one or the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and 100% of revenue is, uh, is advertising at the moment, right? That's true, but the thing that we're doing that I think is a bit different than probably a, a bunch of other publishers is just what we're capable of doing through our self-serve channel because we are hyper-local. So we mm-hmm. have a self-serve platform where local event marketers can promote their local events. Let's turn to local news industry in general, get some of your perspective here. What happened to local news over the past 20 years? And why haven't we seen some behemoth one-for-one replacement for local news or local newspapers like we've seen, say, for Google replacing telephone directories. So, you know, local news has taken like a series of blows. And these things all, you know, disruption always starts with like 
some blindness and probably a little bit of arrogance and, you know, on the part of, you know, whoever's getting disrupted. And I think the local news industry, the way it basically monopolized, you know, the classifieds business. And I'd say they're doing the same for obituaries. I spoke to a funeral home owner in uh, Connecticut uh, last month who his local paper would charge a family like $800 to run an obituary. Why? Because, you know, they feel the families have nowhere else to go and their revenue models just keep raising the price until, you know, someone comes around and disrupts. So then, you know, first Craigslist and then, you know, Facebook and and Google and all the ad dollars. And, you know, a lot, so much of Facebook's revenue comes from these smaller local players. It's pulled all of the revenue out and the local news industry didn't move quickly enough, thought about the problem the wrong way, I think, thought less about the the end user journalists. I say this as a journalist, like we can sometimes think things are important because we did them. And, you know, like we wrote the story, so it must be important and should be on the front page. But at the local level, users really just want to be informed about what's happening around them. And they're less concerned with who wrote it as long as they they know they can trust it. So I think, you know, the solution, and there's so much interesting, innovative, exciting stuff happening. You know, it's like the forest burned down and now there are shoots popping up everywhere in local. And I find it to be a totally fascinating and exciting time, starting with lots of, you know, creator type solopreneurs, entrepreneurs starting their own publication. So I think it's it's a time of innovation and, and huge opportunity. And I think there may be space for someone to come along and, and be a national brand that is trusted in many locations for local news. And obviously we're- Before we get to, to Patch that, being yeah. that, let's talk a little bit yeah. about the leadership there. There've been, there've been quite a turnover. Three CEOs in the past three years, first you- until I think 2019, and then uh, Allison Bernstein from uh, The Knot. She was an executive over there at the, at the wedding site. Uh, then after a year, she was replaced by Rob Kane last November, I think, who's got a 30-year history of helping companies roughly the size of Patch become, say, $20 million up to $150 million in short order. So what's behind those changes, Warren, and what does the appointment of Rob Kane to Patch CEO signal? Sure. So, I mean, first of all, we're always trying to just get better and push forward. And I hope I contributed to that when I was in the CEO seat. I I think the job I do now better aligns to my personality, my interests, my passions. Being CEO is tough. And, you know, if you're very, there's a process and administrative kind of mindset that is necessary. That for me is, you know, it's not necessarily what makes me fired up when I, you know, get up every morning. I like kind of going and hunting and finding the new opportunity that hasn't been uncovered yet. And so everyone's contributed, but, you know, really bringing Rob on board. Rob's worked with the, with Hale, our, our owners on two previous companies where he had extremely successful results. He is a seasoned CEO and, and operator, and he's done an amazing job of creating urgency and focus. One of the challenges I, I think in local generally is that there's so much that one could do. You know, it's like the closer you get to the the ground or the closer you, it's like looking at a screen, you know, it starts to pixelate and there's millions of pixels and you can lose the big picture. And local kind of provides like this tantalizing forest of, of opportunities. And I spent a lot of time interviewing CEOs. By the way, when I became CEO, you know, it was really because we'd interviewed a lot of CEOs and either the ones we wanted didn't want us or, you know, or vice versa. 
and uh, sort of default fell into the role, knowing that all along we'd be interviewing and trying to find someone who had done this before, which I had not. And Allie Bernstein's amazing. She's contributed massively to cultural improvements and and patch and got everyone really bought in and and launched some really impactful initiatives. But Rob had worked with Hale and a couple of other companies and took them from roughly Patch's size to really significantly higher results. Now, one of them went public. In the case of Rob, it was really just a, a chance of, of someone who became available who the Hale team had worked with and trusted and, and knew was good and had a track record. So, so I'm going to read the tea leaves now that uh, Rob has come on with his track record. Uh, Patch would be in for a fairly high growth period. Well, that's what we're trying to do. Well, first of all, if you're not growing, why are you here? Um, Fail the mirror test, you're dead, right? Yeah, and we're, we, we also know, I mean, there's just such a huge opportunity in local, and there's such a craving for local information. It's gotten harder and harder to get. It's more, more and more fragmented. So we think, you know, there's an amazing opportunity. We've done a good job of getting better in the places where we are. We're now in the process and have sort of figured out how to go to new places and replicate that. Uh, and, and that's underway. And, you know, as long as we're Charlie Hale, our, our chairman, you know, he says basically like we're, we're getting better. We're having fun. We're growing the business successfully. We're adding journalism to the world and, and employing full-time reporters who fortunately for us seem to like their work and stick around and it just feels really good. So we want to keep doing that. We want to take it to more people. And so I, I live on the Upper East Side. There was no patch on the Upper East Side or no Manhattan patches under AOL. And I, I started one. And I was able to see what happens. In this case, it was patch. But when a local news source kind of comes to a community. And and suddenly my neighborhood, a place, you know, I, I, I walk every day. I, I commute. I go to restaurants. I take my children to school. I shop it suddenly had this overlay of like order and meaning and structure because every day I got this email at 6.30 from Patch telling me what was going on, what the most important things were that happened yesterday, what was coming up today and this week and this weekend. And it completely transformed just how I felt about where I lived. And so it's a really valuable thing. And I think we're, we are a mission-driven company and organization. We love what we do. We care about local news. You know, there are lots of easier things that one could have done with Patch. You know, someone could have turned it into a, a Groupon type of thing or made it all UGC. And I think we've chosen a harder path um, because we were committed to that mission and outcome. And we want to support local journalism. We you know, want to be constructive in the ecosystem, too. So it's not just about us. It's about... Yeah supporting other, we've launched Patch Labs, which is a, a platform to give tools to other independent local news providers who want to run their own business. And it's got an educational module and we do sales training to help them. You know, there's no big margin in that for Patch, but it could be really meaningful for lots of communities. And it's super meaningful for the reporter publishers who've started their own businesses and are growing them. And that's kind of what we do. We want to contribute just generally to something that we know adds value to to communities. That sounds like the same mission to a great extent, a lot of newspaper, TV, and, uh, and, and local radio companies. So how should they, those big media companies, the Mike Reed, the CEO of Gannett, or Bob Pittman, CEO of iHeart, or Sinclair or Town Square, Lee Enterprises, 
how should they view patch in your opinion? Competitor, partner, or maybe a potential acquisition? Well, I think, you know, you should probably ask all of them. I'll go back to what I said about what what we're aiming to do and what we get up to do every day. And, you know, we want to do this everywhere. You know, my vision for Patch would be that everyone in any town of, you know, incorporated town in the U.S. can wake up and check their inbox or, or the Patch app and understand what's happening of import in their community that day. What happened yesterday, what's coming up. And we do this in a reliable way, a trusted way. People learn and that they can count on us. We do that in our best and strongest communities. We're doing it in more communities, but I think there are something like 4,500 communities in the U.S. with 10,000 you know, residents or more. I personally won't feel that we've succeeded as a company until there's a patch in every one of those, and it's good. Warren, thank you very much. My guest has been Warren St. John, president and director of Patch. Warren, thanks for being on the show. It's been terrific, and your vision uh, and your experience is, is really excellent. Thank you, Gordon. I appreciate your interest. Gordon, the most amazing thing that was said was at the very beginning, they've had six profitable years in a row with double-digit revenue growth each year. Yeah. How do they do that? You know, what surprises me, to be fair, is it's still, and Warren did not disclose the amount of revenue, but it's probably somewhere between 25 and 35 million, I, I would guess. That's still fairly small for something with hundreds and hundreds of sites out there. So I'm really interested in seeing what the new CEO might do. He's already had, you know, six, eight months now to to do something. Um, so I wonder what those plans will be. I suspect we will hear or see something maybe toward the, the end of the year. Yeah, probably. Uh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in a marketing meeting at Patch. Because think about the branding. How do they overcome the fact that they're a national brand, but they're trying to be local? You know, you got the Cleveland Plain Dealer. You've got things, your websites or um, TV stations that are local. How do you bring a national brand patch and get it convinced as local? Do you know what I mean? I think Nextdoor has the same issue. Nextdoor is a national brand and they have umpty ump, you know, neighborhoods trying to do the same exact thing with vastly more money than patch and still struggling, you know, with, with profitability as well. But, you know, I think he may be onto something sticking with this journalism things while so many others abandon it. There's a site based in New Jersey, but it's in several places now called tap into tap into.net T A P I N T O.net, which is basically a franchise of, of local sites. It's a little more oriented toward basic uh, information than it is news information about local communities and events and things like that, and a bit more maybe commercial. They'd be sad to hear me say that. Um, But again, it just points to the struggle of, gosh, how do you monetize? How do you make a profit at a hyper-local news and make it a journalistic endeavor? And that's where Warren's roots are, are in journalism. So I bless his heart for (laughs) continuing to pursue that. And I wish him you know, the best of luck because we certainly do have a lot of news deserts out there. Yeah. And we, and we need to do something about it. So good on him. Anyway, thank you, Corey. And thanks everybody for listening until next time. Talk to you later. Thanks. You've been listening to the local marketing trends podcast sponsored by guaranteed digital and by ground truth. If you have submissions or ideas for future shows or guests, 
email the hosts at podcast at Thanks for listening. And remember, market well.